it's my favorite part of the Constitution mm-hmm. is the First Amendment. Mm. However, if we're going to curtail weird. speech, that's a, if, we need to talk about this, like your relationship just with my, the Constitution. It's way better that's, than the Second Amendment. I like where he's going with it, this. Yeah, it, it is way better. It's a way better amendment right. to like the Fourth Amendment. Yes, I don't, yes. I don't love. I like it. Like I would totally finger bang it, yeah. but like I'm not going to fuck it. <laughs> But she looks so good in a dress. Yeah, but that dress, I just want to finger bang underneath it. Like but, That's true, but know. that's invasive, and she can't finger bang you back because they should got to have a warrant. That's the fourth amendment. <laughs> anyway. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. and David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Ape Cast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. I, was, I will say that we are on all, all slightly different levels of leftness. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, I think that's accurate, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all on the and same side. We're just yeah. um, like we're we all like the, we all like ch- fried chicken, but like yeah. one of us likes Kentucky Fried, the other one likes and I like mine buffalo pies, yeah. and you like buffalo. Sure, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's we've you know it's and we do what the left does, which the left is notorious in really the history of the country. The left always kind of. Because KFC is racist, so if you like KFC, exactly. you're a racist. We, yeah, we just we just eat our own. Anyway, right. <laughs> he threw out he threw out he'd been reading his stuff. He listened to one of our apecasts, and he threw out an email. Said, you know, I would like to convince you that you need to be more enraged and scared as we approach. I mean, as this is dropping uh, the day before uh, the election. Uh, yeah, the day before the election. Yeah, you know, and there are plenty of reasons to be both enraged and scared. When you've I never am more. Uh, in the in the four years that we've had Trump, uh, you've never once been enraged or scared. You have been the level head. I'm trying. It's, and I've, it's my... I've, I've kind of gone all over the place, up yeah. and down on things. Uh, yeah, I've, I've yeah. tried. I've I've tried to be more level headed. Like, and I said this when I was in Chicago. I was like trying to access more Spock than Kirk. Anyway, well, you're the old bull. Um, you know the story of the old bull and the young bull. An old bull and young bull are at the top of the hill, looking down in the pasture at a, the, the sea of, of all these cows. And the young bull says to the old bull, Hey, let's run down there and fuck one of them cows. And the old bull says, No, no, let's walk down and fuck them all. <laughs> okay, so anyway... Um, he sent me the the email that I want to change. You know, I want to. I want to. I, I think you should be more enraged and scared. And I have some reasons for it. And, and I went go for it. And he goes, No, I meant on the ape cast. And I went, Oh, so here yeah, we are. Peter's, and Peter's I a guy that comes to your house and he's like knocking on the door, going, "I brought a lasagna. <laughs> You're gonna let me in, right?" <laughs> so introduce our guest, Mr. Hemmel. So this is Peter Kuritis. Uh You know him from. Uh, Enter the Mollusk, which is a film that uh, we made with uh, Vincent Truman uh, about a year ago now, a little more than a year ago. Um, comedian, writer for the Literate Ape, um, really, really great guy, talented fellow, um, a lot funnier than than Don. And uh, oh, yeah. I'm 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 excited to. Have, it's great. It's great to see you, Peter. Thanks for thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you both. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's been a Via- while. It has been a Via while. Zoom. Well, yeah. I saw you in internet. Am I the only person on Amazon that actually recommended Enter the Mollusk, or are there more recommendations? Because I know I did. 
I um, I told my friends about it. My family liked it. Yeah, I gave it like a review, a five star review, and all that kind of nonsense because that's you know because I really liked it. When I first started working at the agency that I'm at now, back in January, the woman that hired me, she would she was introducing me to you know all the all the all the people, and she would say, "And David made a movie." called what is it david and i'd say uh, it's enter the mollusk and it's not that i'm not proud of the film it's that i was like i don't know if i want clients <laughs> and like new co-workers like that being their first introduction of me is enter the mollusk where i'm playing some sort of foreigner who's yeah. got a boner the entire time <laughs> it's just kind of a weird <laughs> i had a similar experience in that steve gadlin when he was doing star makers i don't know if he's still doing star makers but when he was doing star makers he called me up one day and he said hey i need uh i got a i got a i got a spot uh could you do some slap belly and i said what the fuck i said what the fuck slap belly so dana and i showed up she wore like cat's ears and a very sexy dress and had a spray bottle with water in it and i took my shirt off and i slapped my belly in rhythm and went boom 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 and i did this for like jesus christ it had to be three minutes i mean my fucking stomach was as red as a beet i'd slapped it for so long and that fucking video is out there, and if you look it up, you can find Slap Belly Chet. It's like, I'm not sure anybody's going to fucking hire me if they yeah. see me slapping my fucking belly and my wife spraying water on me with a lollipop in her mouth. I was like, okay. What was your encore? Was your encore the truffle shuffle? My God, man. It's something like that. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. I have a similar <laughs> Gavin story. He, he t- texted me one day. He's like, hey, could you come into Can TV and count to 100? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I was like, of course. <laughs> yeah, you don't say no to Steve. You just never say no to Gavin. <laughs> so, and that, so that's is, literally what it was. Anyways. Mm-hmm. This, at the time that we record this podcast, it's Thursday before the election. So we're, what, five, four or five days out from election yeah. day. Which means we could be a month out from results, right? Sure. So let's, let's just do a, a check-in here. Where we all stand with our level of anxiety or excitement fear whatever it is um why don't i start sure you you asked the question you I bring did it ask, on i babe. did ask the question i'm i i'm kind of numb to the whole thing right now as, as i think i have been for a couple weeks like i'm i'm ready for it to be over and that might mean i'm not sure if it means like just get me to wednesday or it could be get me to an answer or it could be get me to 2037 just get me 17 years away from all this shit and I'll, I'll be fine. Um, I still think Trump's going to get reelected. I don't want that at all. Um, I also think if he doesn't get reelected, like I've been saying for the last four years, that he that the damage is done. Like We have to make good whether he wins or loses with our compatriots. Um, and I also think that a lot of the damage has been done because we've got a 6-3 Supreme Court conservative uh liberal so they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want and mitch mcconnell has has won so wow you you are far more pessimistic than i am and i'll go second because i know peter's got uh i mean this is this is his episode so i will say second um i'm not anxious at all um i am uh i'm already i think where where a lot of uh 
I'm, I'm assuming from what I've been reading, I'm already where the Biden team is already at. I'm already planning on, okay, so how do we fix some of these problems? Because I actually don't think, you know, the damage is all that damaging. I think a lot of the damage that uh, Trump has done is easily fixable. It may take a little bit of time. It's sort of like, you know, it's like, okay, he painted the house the wrong color. Well, then we just have to repaint the fucking house. Yeah, I mean, there, I don't think most of the damage he's done, aside from the Supreme Court, and I actually think there's a very easily, sol- there's something super easy to solve that problem if they want to go that route. Um, I'm not a big fan of the idea of packing the court simply because, uh, the more we tit and tat back and forth, mm-hmm. the less the court becomes relevant, relevant at all. Yeah. And I, I actually, this is, my, I believe today, uh, as we drop this episode, it's my, it, to me, if you really want to fix that problem, the answer to Judge Amy is to revoke, and Congress can do this, revoke the Judicial Act of 1925, which is, that was the act that said that the Supreme Court got to choose their cases. Before that act, uh, lower courts basically petitioned and said, these are the cases you're going to cover. And if you take away their power to actually shoot, pick and choose, cherry pick which cases they're going to cover, you eliminate the possibility of an activist court. You're still going to have the fact that it's a 6-3 conservative majority. But this is the thing, I guess, if you want to know how I'm feeling about things, everything that has been a problem that Donald Trump has created is is actually pretty easily fixable Um by, by the system that exists as it, you know, the governmental system that exists right now. There are plenty of rules that prevent and, and are easy to fix a lot of these things. Like he just, like he's kind of going ape shit right now where it's like, okay, now I'm going to make the voice of America like, uh, you know, state TV and this kind of thing. That is really easily fixable. You just revoke those fucking executive orders and do that. I have a feeling that the Biden team is already looking at all this. Because unlike the Trump team, the Biden and and I will argue, unlike the, the, the Clinton team, the Hillary Clinton team, Biden's team is filled with a lot of people who are equally as smart and probably a lot smarter than Joe Biden. And they are probably planning. My guess is they are planning lots of stuff that they've got to do in that first 100 days. So I'm not that worried about it. I do not think. Uh, Trump's going to get elected again. I really don't. My only concern is how big a margin Biden's going to win by. If he wins by such a huge margin, and that's my hope is, and if you look at, you know, again, the polling is different than it was in 2016. Those guys got their asses handed to them four years ago, and they've they've upped their game quite a bit. So I think it's going to be a bit more accurate in the polling. But I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, my hope is that he beats him so fucking badly that all the lawsuits, they could throw out 500,000 votes and Biden still has such a huge margin of win that it doesn't make any difference. Um, but I even think, even if, if, if it's not, I don't think it's good. I really don't think it's going to be a close election. I think uh, I think Biden, Biden's going to win pretty, pretty significantly. So I am not uh, anxious uh, any more than I would be in the middle of a pandemic with the economy turning to giant shit with our climate falling apart uh, piece by piece oh details with our, with our civil right with our civil rights at odds on both sides Nitpicking. with with you know with the the concept that we may be in a brand new sort of form of civil war oh, which if you look at the CIA's snowflake. briefing this well the CIA says our civil war is happening and it's happening in insurgencies and in small bits and pieces like Colombia aside from that I'm actually uh, pretty optimistic. So, Peter, where are you, man? Um, I'm very, very anxious. Uh, I think 
I also believe Biden is going to win, and there's some pretty good signs of this at the uh, House district level. One of the um, uh, alarm bells for Hillary in 2016 was that these district polls were showing like a huge turnout for non-educated whites um, who break really strong for Trump, and they were like, uh, hey, Hill, you could lose this thing. <clears throat> Right now in 2020, it's showing the exact opposite. There just it isn't looking like there's enough to overdo it. Um, like youth turnout is unbelievable. This was always a turnout election. We like from the from January we've been saying like in years ago we've been saying the higher the turnout, the more chance of a Biden victory. Yeah. Um, uh, the polls like people talk about the polls in 2016. They weren't that far off any, anyway, but they have corrected since then. And the 2018 polls were pretty spot on. And if anything, they underestimated Democrats. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, like so, yeah. like there's there's a lot of reasons. Uh, to think that Biden's going to win. What worries me more is what's going to happen in the two months Trump is still in office. Um, uh, (laughs) Because he is a malignant narcissist. Um, I think that he'll burn as many things down as he can. I think that he'll try to get political appointees in so that to make it harder for a Biden administration to make change. Um, There's... uh, If people... The thing I'm most afraid of is are people committing acts of terror in his name, and he will never disavow them. He'll wink at them just like he always has, and that is incredibly dangerous. I mean, just the fact that, like, David, you feel numb to all this because it's been so bad for so long, and Don, you're saying that, like, like if it's not a blowout, that he could steal it? Like, these are unique problems. You oh know, yeah, this these, is a like, brand new this, experience. This is, uh, y- you know, and when you say like, well, you know, I'm I don't have anxiety, and then like you list like the pandemic and the economy going yeah. shit and all that, that makes me think, well, Don, will anything make you anxious? <laughs> you know, that's, he's that's what I'm saying. Because he's the old bull. Like he's like, no, we'll just walk through and fuck them all. It's 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 we'll uh, you know, and and I, I guess I guess I, well, yeah, I well, would say that. Yeah, I, well, I think I feel a, a normal sense of concern. But anxiety and concern, I think, are two different things. And I'm, sure. I'm I'm at the point in my life where worrying about something that has not happened, um, and and in, in and in my opinion, is unlikely to happen, is wasted energy. I think, and this is just you know, just me and my life. My life is. I have. I've, and it's one of the things I, I just wrote about. It's like uh, I'm assuming David, you voted. Yes. And I'm assuming Peter, you voted. Yeah. And I voted. So even if we were on opposite sides of this particular red-blue fucking paradigm, our decisions have been made. So we're not, we don't have to convince each other of anything when it comes to who's going to win. And so when I talk to somebody that I, and I work with people at the casino, they're quite Republican. And, you know, they get very, very up in arms when I criticize Trump or I say things. And, and, and I'm like, did you vote? Well, yeah. So... And I voted, so nothing that we say is going to change each other's minds. So we don't even have to try to change each other's minds. We just have to talk and share perspective. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a different. That's different. That's, and so I'm not worried about things. I well, you know, there's those people, but a lot of people have been radicalized. Like it's just, yeah. it doesn't take. There's a really great podcast called "It Could Happen Here" that I listen to with skepticism, and I yeah. and it freaked me out. Because it doesn't yeah. really take uh, too many of these yokels to disrupt things immensely, yeah, um, and to carry that into the next White House. Like I'm, I, I'm really afraid of how these people react. They, they really, if when you see them, they're like, "Your time's coming," and 
and yeah. they're prepping for a civil war and they are being encouraged by a complete media structure that caters completely to them and pushing their rage buttons just mm-hmm. like in rwanda they, we had like genocides happen because yeah. of this and i think that these yeah. people have been radicalized and and they're crazy and they're in trump just affirms them and, and encourages them because the leader of the free world like won't even tell them they're wrong you know like it and that just that does fill me with anxiety even though i know i voted um I mean, even I was... though even though i agree that like there is a lot of damage that can be corrected with the next administration like if we add states and we can like and 2020 is a redistricting year and there's uh, there are reasons to feel hopeful from there but only if we get it like these trumpers are going to keep existing even if there isn't some civil war like you still in 2024 after all these trump supporters believe that donald trump had the election stolen from him which he will definitely say that's going to be that's going to be like like an article of faith among a certain part of the right that republican presidential candidates are going to have to satisfy for years to come Mm -hmm. like that's permanent damage um and and our allies and uh yeah it's well the interesting thing is that yeah it's it's a redistricting year in a year where the census was cut short and we're gonna it's missing a lot of people so the redistricting is not gonna do the left any favors because you know the gerrymandering and and redistricting is always done uh to the benefit of i won't say always but commonly done for the benefit of the republicans um, mm-hmm. And I and I've, I've been saying since 2016 that even before Trump won, uh, I was saying that win or lose, we're going to have an issue because his people are going to. If he loses, they're going to rise up because it was stolen and it was a it was a false election. Blah blah, you know, and they're going to be pissed. And if he wins, then they're going to be they're going to have this mandate. They're going to be emboldened and. That's that's what we have. He's been sowing. He sowed these seeds a long time ago, and he's been taking See, really, really good care of those crops. What I what I think is really interesting, and and this is, a, I guess maybe I have a little bit, and this is age, maybe. Um, I do think history is our friend. Um, I don't see the Trumpers and their zealotry and their rage as any different than Operation Rescue. Um, in the 1980s, and just a just a quick refresher, Operation Rescue Rescue was created by Randall Terry. It was an anti-abortion. It was the original anti-abortion, like raging, blowing up doctors' houses, targeting doctors to kill them, uh, terrorizing women trying to get abortions. This kind of thing, right? And uh, and 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 that was in Wichita, Kansas, is where they they started and I lived that's where I went to high school was in Kansas so I, I was surrounded by this shit and at the time I was part of uh, Christianity and they were super hardcore right and I saw that particular was specifically Wichita Kansas turn into a fucking war zone mm. and what was interesting and what has been interesting to me and, and that's the thing is I, I what I see the reason the Republican Party is the way the Republican Party is now, the way the way they got the Tea Party, if you look at the history of Ted Cruz, a lot of these guys, what happened in the 80s was the Republican Party, the GOP said, hey, we're going to take this rabid energy and make it work for us. So we're going to court these Roe v. Wade anger people. We're going to court them. What they did was they said, Here's what has to happen. If you want to take long-term, and this is where Democrats are short-term game in a, lo- in, in a larger sense, short-term game, 
Um, and Republicans have learned the long-term game from us because in the 60s, Democrats were long-term game. That's just how we played the game. And in the, in the 80s, the, the Republicans went to the Operation Rescues and said, okay, we're going to give you money, the RNC, we're going to give you money to support you, but not to support your protest. We're going to give you money if you run for school council or alderman or regional district captain of blah, blah, blah. You know, in, infiltrate the lower, the municipal levels of government. Mm -hmm. And we will help you win those seats with money and support, which they did. And then they did some more. And then those people that won those things, then like five, ten years later, were now congressmen. And then that's where the Tea Party came from. And now you have... Uh, uh, about a third to I would argue I would argue a third to half of the existing Republican uh, representatives of all forms of government are kind of a part of that rabid dirty sort of zealous um, us or them kind of thing I don't see the Trumpers as being any different now do I think they're going to be dangerous yes do I think they're going to be any more dangerous than some random incel that goes into a fucking showing a Batman uh, the Dark Knight and shooting him up that's no, pretty dangerous probably well that no I'm not the thing is I'm not saying it's not dangerous but I'm not saying what I'm saying Peter is a little bit yeah it's well it's dangerous but it's not unique from what we had before Trump this thing is, what I'm yeah. saying is, the idea of taking this one thing, the Boogaloo Boys and the fucking Proud Boys and all these fucking morons, uh, understanding that, and it's like everybody talks about, oh, the Proud Boys. There are exactly 212 members of the Proud Boys. There's 212. I'm pretty sure the Civil War will not be won by 212 mouth-breathing white guys. No. I guarantee it. But no. they can inflict damage. But, but it's I'm one not, Timothy McVeigh. It took I'm, well, there's going to be concerned. damage, but yeah. I'm yeah. not as concerned about, see, when you, like, I see what you mean, like, I, I these anti-abortion bombers and stuff, <clears throat> what I see is more of like a uh, IRA situation, um, mm, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and, and I'm not like, the Proud Boys, it's not so much them, it's like these guys who wanted to kidnap the governor. That, like, there are so many of those guys out there, and it doesn't take many of them to cause major disruption, like, it's, uh... Uh, like when you consider what one guy in a movie theater can do. Did you, you guys know? ever play it's, as, as kids? It's, I, sorry, I, sorry, I, I think that, sorry. like, and also when we talk about the origin of the Republican Party and how it got here, we need to talk about the Southern strategy. You know, like, yeah. the Republican Party has actively been courting racists uh, for generations, and Trump is not the disease. I think he's a lot like COVID. I think he's just, like, exacerbates all other diseases more, you know? I and, agree with that. And, yeah. like, he... Uh, is an incredibly bad uh, symptom. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess I see I see the level of danger differently because, like, the Proud Boys. Yeah, I mean, like, they're going to rough up some people in the street. Like, uh, but there's, but people who like I talk to on Discord sometimes. I go into politics servers because I wanted mm -hmm. I want to know what Republicans are saying and thinking. And some of the things these people say would scare the shit out of you. Like they do not see you as a valid human. Like, oh, I agree with that. Like, but I also agree that if you're going on Discord to find out what Republicans are saying, <laughs> you're not going on, you're not, you're not actually listening to what Republicans are saying. Right. It's no different. It's like, to me, it's like, I'd like to talk to some, 
I would like to talk to some Democrats that are some left-leaning people that believe in civil rights. Let me go into Seattle where <laughs> well, they're fucking nuts. No, no, no. Uh, Those are not the typical. That In fact, that is, I if know. you look at all the stuff, that's such a tiny slice of the population. Right. But To uh, exacerbate that and say that that's everybody is, it, I, is that's a little not what I'm saying. But that's not what I'm okay. saying. Like, I'm saying that, like, like it's... Like most Trump supporters are just, you know, like they're in a cult, but they're harmless mostly. But like I say, I, I, I draw the line to Trump because of how he keeps winking at these people. And you're yeah, right. I, yeah. You're right. Like there's not many of them, but they are pissed and they are trying to organize and they want it's to kill wheel. you. Yeah. Like it's and so it's it's not like. Like, to me, that's really scary, especially, like, one of the things that I think we've all learned that we didn't realize in the Trump administration is how important leadership actually is. Like, it's a big deal. It's, yeah. like, this guy has been setting the standard for the world, and, and he's done some permanent damage, you know, like, with our international allies and with, like, there's non-constitutional dictatorships that are, like, growing in power. Um, I don't think that's permanent damage. I think that's damage, but it's it's something that can be our, our reputation in the world can be fixed. Yeah, Repu- it's something reputation can always be. It's, yeah. it's how lo- it's how long is it going to take, and do we have the patience and the time to do it? I mean, if you look at Germany, Germany had a pretty bad rap for and they worked it out a sizable chunk of the 20th century, and it really wasn't only until the last 15, 15 years, maybe, right? Where it's but, like. Uh, okay, Germany's cool again. And now, I mean, like today, Germany's kind of a leader in, or like, is like the European leader right now. Like Angela Merkel yeah. is yeah, pretty, pretty fucking great. Germany's doing, I mean, they've, you know, they're, they're having a COVID spike right now, but that's not, well, that's not because think, of bad leadership, you know? I, and but, I think, but and I think in terms of damage done, I think, you know, they're, they're at the beginning of the Trump era, about 2016, the whole world was kind of going through this uh, conservative, you know, Brexit, and it's like, it's like, let's, yeah. let's get, let's go against progressive values. If you look at where people are right now, you look at the polls in France, you look at the polls in England, you look, you know, you look at most of the country or most of the world, you're seeing that with the exception of obvious communist regimes and obvious uh, totalitarian governments that most, dem- most democratic countries are starting to are, the pendulum is starting to swing back to wow maybe we overcorrected with this fucking totalitarian shit mm-hmm. let's let's move back away from that a little bit and I think that is that is sort of the corrective nature of humanity is that that we're going to do that we are going to correct this stuff no that's that's yeah I mean we can but uh, I, and just to take this international for just a, a little bit before bringing it back to our country, is that a permanent argument has been made against liberal democracies, just the concept of them, by the election of Donald Trump. This is something that like people who want uh, like a liberal democracy in China have like over there. Uh, the argument is now, well, if liberal democracies end up with something like Donald Trump, why would you trust a system of government like that? <laughs> You know, and it's a and, fair and argument, like, yeah. and that and that's dangerous in terms of who fills these power vacuums in the world, and and all of that. Um, I think that I don't know. I I guess I'm the thing that I wanted to get through. Like you talked about uh, virtue signaling in the last one, and I just okay. like mm-hmm. like it was. Um, it's I guess what I'm trying to convince you of is that like for all of these reasons and more, which we all already agree on um 
like I think that uh, people aren't just signaling it. I think people are really like I am out of my mind with anxiety, and I am so scared that it's going to be repeated in 2016, and I'm so scared of what his most ardent supporters will do, and I'm I'm you know all of this stuff. I'm scared he'll like steal the election that I won't even be able to choose my own government anymore, and the uh, you you know what I mean? Like I understand what you're saying that these. No, I- that these can be fixed and th- that's all very reasonable and I agree um, but it's well, but also is, like there's a wake, right now there's with a this unknown with, with this unknown here with so many unknowns in the immediate future it's 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 harrowing I think the other thing is that it's and it's not that you know t- I, was, I, I almost said that it's not like Trump is causing murder in the streets but we had kind of a bloody summer um I would, not, is, I, I would not. I would not. I would not lay that on Trump's feet. No, no I'm, not, I'm not laying it on Trump's feet. But it happened in the age of Trump, and I, it could have easily happened in the age of Obama or Bush. But I think it was. He Trump, didn't help. Trump was that last. <laughs> Trump was that last bit of of he throws of gasoline oxygen, of, of gasoline yeah. that the fire needed to really get going, and it, it was it was waiting. It, it was just waiting for that right bit, and he was the right match for it. Um, yeah, we can fix it all. And we'll look back in 20 years at the summer of 2020 and go, man, that was fucked up. But we came back from that. And we're stronger because of it. And that's great. That is great. Except that the people in 2020 that had to deal with that, George Floyd's family, George Floyd himself, and all and, and the others, they will have to live with this forever. You know, I I don't know, Peter, You, if you, if you heard the other Apecast, but I had in... in I guess August I was working on a project where we were um, for for work um, where I was interviewing we were making a documentary for a client about the fifth girl so which is about the the young girl who survived the, the the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham in 1963 and there were four girls that were killed but there were five girls down there and they only they only ever talked about the four girls and the fifth girl was a sister of one of the ones who died and she just got kind of forgotten about for a long time because four young girls were... I mean, that's, that's the headline. That's the story. But here's this, here's this woman now. She's 70 years old. And she has lived the majority of her life blind in one eye. Miss, I mean, without an eye. You know, it's a, she's got a, a prosthetic in there. The last thing she saw out of that eye was her sister being blown up. You know, and, she's, and her life, her struggles that happened through that. Like, there is... She's... She's better now. She's fine. She's, she's good. You know, the world recognizes her now. But my God, it took a long time. And that's a lot of damage. And we look back in 1963, go, well, at least we're not blowing up churches. Well, we're, well. Ju- we're shooting them up now. You know, like, so there's, yes, we can get past this, but there's still this, this wake of, of damage and hurt that is lasting for a lot of people. And yeah, that's, well, you that's know what? problematic. You know what? That's hurtful. You know what? Welcome to all of humanity summed up. There's always sure. going to be fucking hurt and shit and trauma. That's never going to change no matter what we do. But 100%. what I want to point out, to the point that, that Peter brings up, and I, and I, I understand that. I do think my but belief I just, I just in that's say, probably... I don't, I, don't wanna, like, I don't wanna skip over that and be like, well, we're, it, we'll get past it. Yes, we, we will. And yes, it is humanity to suffer. And But I don't wanna, I, I wanna make sure we acknowledge that, yeah, I mean, we'll get past it, is, we'll be better, but, but there are those but, who but, sacrificed. But, 
Yeah, there are people that are sacrificed, but but when you throw out George Floyd as somehow a sacrifice to Trump, that is apples and oranges. He did that. That was well, that I, I problem don't mean he was a sacrifice has app. But you, but you're making that argument. What I'm saying is I'm George not. Floyd. George Floyd died and had fuck all to do with Donald Trump. Right. Had nothing to do with Donald Trump. And so to lump that in, and this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm going to the Peter's point about the virtue signaling, is simply this. Um, I do think. There are plenty of people, and, and quite frankly, I, I do. I see it as equally on the far, far right as I see it on the far, far left, as people utilizing this fear that you feel as a way to make them money is a way to grift. That's all Donald Trump was. That's all Donald Trump is, is a fucking grifter who utilized people's disaffection and racism and fear and whatever it happens to be. He used it to make himself famous, popular, powerful, and money. And I see plenty of that going on on either side of the extremes. What I would say is that in any, you know, in any kind of crisis, and just think of every movie you've ever seen, Every movie you've ever seen where all hell breaks loose, The Walking Dead, yeah, sure, Cocktail, is the people that are the most scared, the people that are the most fearful, are not the ones you look to to solve the problem. The people that are the most fearful are the ones screaming and running around, bumping their fucking heads into shit and getting run over by the monster. Which it's is the people that say, I'm not gonna let the fear take over me. I'm gonna focus on the problem. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. That's why I've never liked Gabriel in The Walking Dead, by the way. I'm I've, sure. I've never well, been able uh, to forgive I've never, him. I've still never seen that show, everyone. Yeah. You're better but off I'll give for you, it. Sorry. Fine. Yeah, you really are better yeah. off it. But, I, but I, I'll, be, I'll give you an example. I was thinking about this, and I wrote about this uh, pretty recently. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, all right. So either I have to take Ibram Kendi's thesis as as dogma and i have to say that i am either racist or and i'm or i'm anti-racist which basically means i i agree that all whites and all of everything contributed to this country by whites is racist i have to agree with all that and i don't i'm not anti-racist i'm against racism different so so all right so what's the problem let's say okay so is the problem that there are too many racist people or is the problem that we have too many mechanisms that are available for the racist people to utilize. And I went, oh, okay, now let's back it up and rationally not use the emotional, uh, the poor people that are marginalized. No, let's look at, like really look at pragmatics. And I thought, okay, so how do you solve racism in three steps in this country? <laughs> how, do you, how do you solve the problem? And I thought, and I did, I really, I did a whole bunch of research and I realized, Solving okay, there racism for dummies. I love it. Yeah, the, and this is solving racism for dummies. And, and, and you know, the thing is, you can't scold Three simple steps. or shame. Is that what we're doing on this podcast? Are we well, going to solve racism? This is it. Yep. This is I, it. I'm right actually going to solve because because the the solution that we seem to have uh, right now is to shame people and scream at them and tell them they're racist. And you know what? That's never changed a racist mind ever in the history of racism. Sure. Ever scolding somebody. So I looked at it. And went. What are the mechanisms utilized? And I went. Okay. First of all. The war on drugs, there was no war on drugs. War, drugs were mostly legal. In fact, pot was just taxed up until about 1970. And then, for a variety of reasons that included racism, but mostly was a power grab, Richard Nixon decided to make this war on drugs and make drugs illegal. 
because, and it's a quote by Ehrlichman in uh, 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 an interview he did, is that they realized they couldn't make anti-war and being black against the law, but they could do this. So you got that. That's one. Okay. Number two, um, the the minimum wage was created in the 30s as a way to balance two things, to prevent the wealthy from becoming Jeff Bezos and to create a baseline for living people, for people to be able to make a living wage so that that fueled the economy, not so that they could have a living wage, but so that it fueled the economy. That was that was just Keynesian economics. And then the third thing you look at is public education is almost 50% of every public school in the country is funded by property tax, which automatically means that those places in more affluent areas get more money. So solve racism in three steps. First of all, you require that all public education be funded equally across the board, regardless of location. You re- eliminate the, the the property tax thing and you fund it completely differently. And every school gets the same amount of money. Number two, you make a progressive minimum wage. And what I mean by progressive minimum wage, just like the progressive tax, is that it increases as the cost of living increases. It is a, a it is a progressive. So it's maybe maybe well, we say you have I, these rational solutions to solving racist and then, problems. And 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 then the third thing is get rid of the war on drugs because then you don't have incarceration and then you don't have police spending eighty percent of their time focused on drug offenders, which are mostly black men. And if that's the case, what you do is you empower you you take the onus. Of Drug offenders are not mostly black men. No, no, those those that are arrested. Yes, those that are arrested are mostly black men. Okay, I'm not mostly, but yeah, there's a predominant amount of black men that are arrested for drug use. In fact, most well, of most most. Drug I, offenders I don't want to. I don't want to get too far just, off topic. I mean, like you just, you're, you're just open it up. But the, what what we're talking about is the fearful are going to go for the easiest, quickest, simplest, and I will say virtue signaliest solution when the solutions to all of these problems are far more complicated and are almost not emotional at all if you really want to solve the problem rather than you want to look like you're solving the problem okay great that was my point great so you've given me all of these rational solutions to uh to laws that uh affect black people disproportionately these all sound like great ideas but what i'm talking about is the expression of how people feel and that that isn't fake like when people like it's it's one thing to come up with rational solutions. I don't think anyone on the left would deny that it's an extremely complicated problem. Um, and you know we can talk about solutions. And it's not complicated. Three it, steps. Boom. We just solved it. <laughs> what the fuck? There you go. Well, but it's like when you say you can make fun of it, you say, but you don't have an argument against it. Do no, you? I'm I'm not making fun. Whoa. I'm, <laughs> I'm not making fun of it. I'm not making fun of it at all. These all sound like completely rational solutions. But I uh, but what I'm talking about is the expression of that anxiety and the expression of that fear and getting on social media and saying Donald Trump is a fucktard is not about signaling to other people. And I think that you're going to like you just wasted energy is what you're saying. Is Uh, it? I mean, like, because you can't separate emotion from politics because that's what sure you can. No, you can't. Because uh, that's what it's no, about should. at the end you of the should. day. No, you but should but, but Don, you but Don, should. but Don, you can't. You literally but can't. You should. You should try. But but Don, but should you? Because you literally thing, 
can't because the I, end because no listen because at the end of the day these policies are about human feelings and making yeah. humans feel more comfortable making them feel more safe making them feel more provided for you know all of these things these it's it's fundamentally about I, feelings I, now those yeah, solutions in order to would, reach that that's a non-rational process of, for, of writing laws i would rather be provided for than feel like i'm provided for no that's fine it's one in the same but it's one in the I, same. No, it's I, really not one in the same. It's really not one in the same. Right, I love on. that you say it, and if you keep saying it over and over and over, it makes it true. No, hang but on. Emotional status and politics are not the same thing. Hang, they hang. they became the same thing when Nixon was beaten in a debate by Kennedy because Kennedy was ill prepared but good looking. That's when it became a popularity no, contest. That's, that's no, different. that's not true. That's different. Here's the thing, Don. So he, so here's an example of of politics as emotion, because uh, I agree with Peter that. They can't be separated. They once you realize, like, okay, what we need to do is a rational thing. You take your emotion and go, all right, I'll do. You stay home. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to deal with this shit rationally. And then come home and we can be all emotional about it. You need to separate it when it's time to do the work. But the reason, the the germ of the idea to get you to do that work is based in emotion. And here, so here's a real simple example. When Rahm Emanuel was running for mayor, I think it was a second. Yeah, it was just, it was his second time. I did not want to vote for him, but I was uh, I was working on an account that was dealing with with CPS, with Chicago Public School System, and it, it was it CPS is was so fucked up, is so fucked up. And my thought at the time was that, and I don't remember who Ron was running against, who his big rival at the time was, uh, or opponent at the time was. Um, but that Ron was the only guy, he was the only rotten son of a bitch fuckhead that could that had the 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 the, the evil balls required to beat the system into good order. And as I went to the polls, I was thinking, I don't I wasn't I don't even think I was married at the time. I wasn't married at the time. But one day I'm gonna have a kid or kids, and they're probably gonna have to go to CPS. And when what what happens now with CPS today, those effects are going to, are what my kid is going to go to school to. And I voted for Rom, and I left the polls feeling like absolute shit because I was this single party voter that went totally emotion. And what happened is he gets, he gets reelected and he, he continued to fuck the schools. He did nothing for the schools. He fucked CPS even more than it was. And, you know, bad on me, but it's, we, we vote for the person that makes us feel comfortable, that makes that, that I, the reason Kennedy, part of the reason Kennedy won is because the people saw themselves in Kennedy. They had elected uh, Eisenhower because that was the guy who led them through the fucking war. He was their dad that they trusted, that got them home alive, that did the right thing. And now they're going to vote for one of their own because can, can, can I, can he's I got just, kids like um, me and I want to fuck his wife. Can I, can I ask you to amend something real quick? Uh, You're okay. only... You're only speaking for you, so don't yeah. say we vote. We vote. We don't vote. Fair you enough. vote. But this is but because this, I don't vote out of emotion. I've never voted out of emotion. Right, because and you're even when I'm very emotional, I don't right. vote out of emotion. Right, but what but I'm trying to get at, your, what for I'm, your for your 
what, what, what you care about for you and Dana what, for you and your mom. No, I what I, I, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get yeah. at here is emotion. that all of these policies are certainly rational, and we should certainly make uh, like nobody's arguing for a less rational world. More people should vote rationally, like all of these things. But what I am saying is that in politics, the goal is about human feelings and human happiness and sadness. That that's we don't want the schools to get fucked because we don't want children to suffer. We don't want parents to suffer. Right? So that's what policy is about. It's what organizing economies is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's, it's like yeah. eventually you're going to come to a value system that is like something that is just valuable to you and, and, and other people too. You understand what I'm saying? I do. And I also understand that there's a difference between the emotions of happiness and empathy and the emotions of rage and fear. Right. They're very different things. Okay, and so that's a great if, point. If, but but you know, if, the if, whole if, thing you know, if the argument is that it's emotional, then yeah, okay. If it's if it's a sense of empathy that we're focused on, a sense of compassion for one another, then I think politics and compassion and empathy should absolutely be married in some way. But to use rage and fear as like, oh well, it's emotion, so it should be combined. I think those are the most ill placed. Okay, um, but what I'm trying to convince you of is that these feelings of rage and anger are in fact valid. Now, how we valid. how we act upon them is one thing. Okay, so so if well, I but, think they're valid. I just think they're pointless. Uh, for example, what? All right, let me give you an example. If you read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's t- Malcolm Gladwell's, and I know David hates Malcolm. <laughs> I like Malcolm. He does. So I love Malcolm. But in Talking <laughs> to Strangers, which is his uh, latest book, um, he, he has a section <laughs> where he talks about judges and that judges, uh, when they are sentencing people, they believe, judges believe and humans believe, they believe that they are going to make the best determination by looking someone in the eye and see if they're truly remorseful, whether or not they're gonna let them off with an easy sentence or a more harsh sentence, that's what the thing is. But what they did was, in certain counties, and I can't remember the specific city, but they put in place um, AI. They put in computers that only considered the, the record of that person. And the interesting thing is, is that later on, what they found out was that the, the judges that used their instinct and their belief that they could look someone in the eye and, and really tell whether that person, that they were they were wrong far more times. That the, 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 the criminals that they let off easy were recidivists far more often mm-hmm. than the computer. Mm-hmm. And my point, at, and, and what, I, what I take away from that is, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a big portion of that book, which is we think that, uh, that we're rational human beings. We believe that we're making a rational objective, but, but the fact is we are so blinded by our own inability to separate ourselves from our emotional state, and we're so arrogantly in belief that we can actually define these things that we do it wrong far more times than we do. So what my argument is, I don't disagree that the, that the emotions of fear, of rage, in, especially in this 2020 situation of fucking mental illness that is just blowing up of, of things because we're stuck in a pandemic, all this stuff. I'm not saying they're not valid. I am saying that they are effectively, in terms of getting us out of this, effectively useless. Okay, so but that's what if, I'm saying. If they're genuine, then we wouldn't call it virtue signaling because that implies I, that, it, that, it, that it's well, a show. 
So you you have, you seem to okay, and I let's let's come to an agreement. Yeah. I don't think that everybody on the left is virtue signaling, but I think most of at least the videos that I've seen. And again, this is what I have a problem with, sort of like the viral video thing, because I know there was a point where you got very upset with me because, and I'm I'm pretty sure this was uh, the reason was that that I was relying on videos that showed protesters, Black Lives Matters protesters, which were predominantly and almost exclusively white kids. Um, screaming at people to put up a Black Lives Fist, Black Lives oh, Matter yeah, Fist, no, and screaming that. at yeah. them. And the thing, and the thing about it is, I understand the argument that well, that's not representative of what those protests are being. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And those fucking twenty-year-olds that were doing it were not assholes. It doesn't uh, mean it didn't happen. Yeah, but those, they, those they, guys, those were people, dicks. those people were roundly criticized on the left. I'm not, well, that's the thing is, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of the criticizing of those people on the yeah. left. What on, I saw on Twitter, was, they like it, it was. I don't do Twitter, so yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's where yeah, I go I for like the like that's the. A, what, where yeah. what's where's the instant? Because you're right. Like we think that we're rational, and we have to check ourselves against our irrational emotional selves. One hundred percent true, and it's why it's easy to manipulate us, and it's why it's easy for the grifters you talk about to grift people out of their rage. Trump is one of those grifters. Oh yeah, and, and, and probably I, the I biggest think Robin one. DeAngel- like, I think that Robin guy DeAngelo sells merchandise. Too. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so does Robin. Yeah. Um, Ibram X. Kendi gets sixty thousand dollars a pop to spin his fucking nonsense. Yeah. So yes, I think <laughs> yeah. I think there no. are people on either side of it that really utilize our fear and our victim status. And when I say victim status, is that most people do feel some sense that they are on the shit end of the stick. It's one of the things that I think is is really getting in the way for truly progressive politics to actually make a big, big dent, is that we've separated ourselves into so many different my victimhood is far worse than yours. The fact is everybody and we're talking about feelings, everybody that is not a billionaire is pretty much feeling like they got the shit into the stick from somebody, yeah. which means that we're all kind of basically the same. And that if instead of trying to divide ourselves up into tribes, we all said, wait a minute, we're all one part of big giant classes tribe where none of us make any fucking money and none of us have quality health care. And we're all walking down the plank over climate change. If we all stopped breaking ourselves up into little tribes and just said, hey, wait a minute, we're poor. And that's the most important tribe we could be living in. And maybe we could all just give up on some of this other bullshit because that's the thing. I do think some of it is. I don't think it's all virtue signaling. I actually don't think you are a virtue signaler. I don't. I think Brian Swinney is a virtue signaler, but I also think Brian Sweeney is somebody that if you disagree with him, you ought to... And here's the line that I think is interesting about the left, where it gets dangerous, is, according to Brian, I'm a transphobe and a Nazi. Okay, so... I don't know if he thinks you're a Nazi. No, he's written it. I've oh, read boy. it. He's, he's written that I'm a Nazi. So, which, <laughs> which is fair. fine. Which, it, well, the John, thing is, I it want you hurt. to know, I don't think you're a Nazi. I don't either. You're but, a top-notch and, and guy. The thing is, yeah, it doesn't hurt my feelings, but here's where we here's where we get into some weird shit is that if we've all agreed, I think everybody on the left, anybody with a rational mind thinks it's fine to punch a Nazi in the street. Who doesn't think punching a Nazi in the street is great? Except for the fact that if Brian gets to define who a Nazi is and he defines me as a Nazi, 
Well, then it's okay to punch me in the street. And yeah. no, no, I'm not okay with that. I th- what the fuck is that? I don't want to get punched because somebody decided okay. I was a Nazi. Because I and and, it and, and, and then it grows slopey, and grows. So. It's very slippery slopey, and we're seeing a lot of that kind of go on. Right. Where people that are making rational arguments that are perhaps not as I, completely woke as the virtue signalers on the left. They, 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 and that's what I when I say virtue signal, I'm not talking about most of the left. I'm talking about about eight percent of the left. Sure. And those people, I do not believe. I don't believe that their rage is earned. I don't believe it's earned. And if I don't believe it's earned, then I'm going to call them signaling. That's my well. That's, but if you, don't, that's well, my, you don't, but that's well, your belief. If you don't believe it's earned, you're exactly going to call right. them out on it. That's that to me sounds like the same thing as Sweeney believing that you're a Nazi, so he's going to call you out on it. It's oh no. Well, I think this. Tr- so therefore, trust that. me. I've I've never heard anybody in any media outlet say punch a virtue signaler, shoot them in the street because I, they're a well, part of the Nazi regiment. Not reason, the same thing at all. The reason I brought up slippery slopey is because like yeah, I mean like if if Brian Sweeney was like I'm going to punch Don Hall in the face, I'd be like Don Hall isn't a fucking Nazi. What's wrong with you? And like, what's wrong? Uh, I think that the line is easy to draw, which prevents a slippery slope. And that is, so far, it's just self-identified swastika patch wearing Nazis, right? It's these guys. Now, yeah. I've never punched a Nazi in the face, but Antifa, their philosophy is we must resist fascism with any means necessary, including violence if necessary, right? Including fascism, which is the most ironic thing I've ever no, said in not my fascism, life. My Wait, what? No, I think Antifa That's, is just as fascist as anything, any organization. But no. it's not an organization. It's a bunch of 20-year-old guys in wearing black clothing, right. being badass, and beating up on people. That's what that's what Antifa is. Well, it's, it's I'm, fine. I'm, it is what I'm it wearing is. all black today, and I beat the just, shit out of my son today. So just am I because I, like, No, just because I say I'm alone. anti-fascist. No, just because I kid. say... Yeah, no shit. Leave your kid alone. <laughs> He's a Nazi. Just because I say I'm hair. anti-fascist... This is the thing. Just because I say I'm anti-fascist... Does doesn't mean I'm anti-fascist any more than just because I say I'm anti-racist doesn't mean I hate all whites. It's just crazy. But wait, what what about Antifa is fascist? I think you're saying... Censorship, violent control of norms, um, uh, squashing dissent with violence. Those are all fascist techniques. But we can't characterize it that way. And this is why I I think that there's a that there's a bit of a false equivalency ha- happening here. Like, it's not... I mean, like, we have to always underline this with, yeah, 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 but they're punching Nazis. Like, they're not just punching opposition. They're not just, like, but using not, violence as a means to... they're not punching but, Nazis. They're punching people they have deemed to be Nazis, which is not, as I just explained, the same thing as Nazis. But are those people Nazis? Well, according to Antifa, they are, but according I mean, to them, probably not. According which to is you, not self- who's but, been punched unjustly. But no, I haven't been punched. But my point no, is, no, no. I mean, like according to if, you, who has been punched unjustly? Yeah, what I'm saying is, is, is you know, I, I mean, Antifa has gone after people that are Trump supporters. A Trump supporter by itself is not a Nazi. But they will attack Trump supporters, and they will physically attack them, and that's okay. I don't mind. I don't like Trump yeah, supporters. Yeah, that's that's an interesting. But point. I don't like it, the, But I don't like Antifa any more than I like Trump supporters. Well, but the, the interesting if you, point is, if the, you is think the, that beating Trump, people up is the way to get your way, you're a fucking thug. It doesn't matter who you are. But or what I don't think it's the way to get your way. I think we have to uh, achieve power through electoral means. But I, agree. I also I also believe that, and I don't think you should punch Trump supporters. 
All right. I, like, I, like, I don't think you just punch him for being Trump supporters as much as, you know. Of course not. They, yeah. may, they may deserve it, but hey. <laughs> but no, don't. It's, it's, there, it's majority, counterproductive. It's counterproductive for a whole host of reasons. But there, uh, there, are the, there are those insane Trump supporters that are, that are Nazis. We, we yeah. know that. Um, and there are and there are those far left activists that loot and, yes. and burn stores yes, there are. Yep. that are criminals. So okay. sure, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are people online. I've met them who say that they're progressives, and in, and in private, they're you know, right? There you go. Like, like I've I've seen that too. But when we talk about, um, I mean, I I think that neo Nazis, literal neo Nazis. Um, yeah, the ones the that self-identify, self-identify. actually do it. Yes. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. that like when they have their rallies, I think that they should be terrified to express those yeah. views in public. I think that yeah. they should be under a rock. I think that if they post online, they should be tracked like because these people are dangerous. And once you yeah. start to adopt a literal philosophy of the destruction of other people, you don't get to say, you don't get to sit at the table, shut the fuck up, right? And 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 Trump stopped fucking winking at him. The yeah, you, 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 put, you put the armband on, you're, you can get punched in the face at will. Like, this that's, is what I'll say. That's okay. Now, now here's a, and and I'll, I'll go one step uh, further with it, is because I actually agree with you. I think that they, I'm not a big fan of the concept of abridging free speech for a, a host of reasons, but I think when it becomes violent rhetoric, it is no different than exactly the, the, the simple example that we have on, on statute of crying fire in a theater is that when you are when you are in a you know, you're neo-Nazi if you use violent rhetoric if your belief is in violent rhetoric um, I do believe that should be censored speech and I've heard yeah. some violent rhetoric definitely violent rhetoric on the far alt-right and I've heard some real violent rhetoric on the far alt-left I have and what, yeah I've, I've done it yeah, and that's what I'm saying is, well, see, that's what I'm saying is I'm saying if it's okay, and I, the thing is, I don't think it's okay, but if we're going to say that it is completely acceptable for somebody on the far left to scream, torch the police and let's kill the police, and yet not allow neo-Nazis say torch the government, Jews, whatever, the thing about it is nobody should be allowed by law to to have rallies that are in support of torching or killing anyone yeah. because that is antithetical to a civilized society, period. Yeah. And so well, and it's not protected under the First Amendment. And, so there's and that. My, 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 and my point is, my point is, I'm all for First I love First Amendment rights. I think I, I, I am a big fan. If you have an idea that I disagree with, I'm absolutely going to fight for you to be able to say that. I think we have to have that kind of discourse. That's very Voltaire of you. Uh, well, I just, I, I've always believed this since I was a kid. I just, it's my favorite amendment. It's my favorite part of the Constitution mm-hmm. is the First Amendment. Mm. However, if we're going to curtail weird. speech. That's a, if, we need to talk about this, like your relationship just with my, the Constitution. It's way better than the Second Amendment. I like where he's going with it, this. Yeah, it, it is way better. It's a way better amendment right, right. to like. The Fourth Amendment, yes, I, don't, yes. I don't love, I like it. Like I would totally finger bang it, yeah. but like, I'm not going to fuck it. <laughs> But she looks so good in a dress. Yeah, but that dress, I just want to finger bang underneath it. Like, but That's true, but know. that's invasive, and she can't finger bang you back because she got to have a warrant. That's the fourth amendment. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, that's the thing, is I think if we're going to... And, 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 and I've heard the argument, and I don't disagree with it on some levels, the, the concept of false equivalency, but my biggest issue with... Uh, my biggest issue, and I think you know this... With and it's where the left eats itself. My my concern 
I've dismissed the alt right all right. I don't care what they do. I I I I mean I've I've given up on them. I I don't want to. I you know do I want to be able to talk to people that are Republican or Trump supporters and see figure out where that's going and see if we can find some common ground? Absolutely, because I think that is also a part of civilized society. But the far the neo if you're a fucking neo Nazi, I I, I don't want to punch you. I just don't want to be in the same room with you. I don't ever want to be around you. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I feel it's exactly the same that conversation. Right, but I, but right. exactly. But I feel exactly the same way, and I don't see it as a false equivalency because what I see the far left doing more and more is adopting the tactics and strategies of the far right to achieve their means. And it's not, I, I, that's the thing, it's, it's not the ideology I have an issue with. It's the strategy and the tactic. And if your tactics are brutal, violence-inducing, um, threatening, intimidating, then I I simply I'm not going to listen to you. I think yeah. you're full of shit, and that is where I draw the line. Is like I will not put up with. For me, I have no interest in dealing with someone on any front. They could be saying, you know, I'm I'm promoting CBD gummies, which are the greatest goddamn thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. But if what they're going to do is promote CD gummies by shaming me and threatening my life, then I don't want to talk to them. They're wrong-headed. Their strategy sucks. And I, that's always been my argument. I think that that, I 100% agree. I think that that is always true, except when we're talking about Nazis. Then I stop feeling, then, <laughs> then I start feeling like funny <clears throat> violence against them. I mean, their whole ideology is fundamentally about eliminating others and uh, fuck them, fuck them. Uh, I don't think it's a good way to achieve victories. And it's kind of, it's, it's similar to the way that I think about the, the rioting and, and looting that has happened. It's like, it's all bad. It's not gonna change anything. It's just property damage. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, like I hear this and I'm like 100% yes, yes, yes. Uh, now I got it. okay, put a pin in that. Another story. So there's this video, you can see this online, it's this guy who like, um, this was in the 80s when you could still like walk deep into an airport um, and not have yeah. a ticket. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. And so this- Walk deep okay. into an airport. Yeah. You, you could. You could. Yeah, you could I know those days. Um, it's weird. It's weird to think that like that is a foreign concept to a lot oh, of people. and there were like, pay phones. My up, he'll never know what the it 80s means to meet are... someone at the gate, the romance of meeting someone yeah. at the gate, surpri- being surprised you get up oh. the plane and there's- your Dude, Eddie your Van Halen the- is dead. Well, Eddie Van Halen is dead, and we can't walk in airports without having our shoes off, <laughs> which means all of my youth is being destroyed piece by piece. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, so the, it's his father. He has his back turned to the camera, and the guy who molested his son is in handcuffs, and he, is, he has been arrested, and he's being brought to court. Like, he's just been flown there from where he ran off from. Right? So they put him in handcuffs, put him on a plane, brought him to where he's going to stand trial. The dad has made it deep into the airport, and he turns around, and he shoots this guy mm-hmm. as he's in handcuffs. He kills him right there. And I go, Jesus. man, I would never, like, murder is bad. Murder is wrong. You shouldn't murder people. Murder doesn't solve problems. But I get it. You totally know what I mean? It. It's totally like, it's, it's the same it. thing yeah. with the rioting and the looting. It's like, nope, totally wrong. You shouldn't do that. But you know but what? I get it. You've been pressed for so long. I yep. get it. I wish I you wouldn't totally do it. Get it. I get it. Same. I'm the same. I'm, yeah. I'm the exact I, you know same. what? Yeah. I feel exactly the same way because I remember when um, in Chicago, the three times I was I mugged, 
I was mugged by black men. Um, and so the next chance I got when I saw a black man on the street, I just no. got a gun out and shot it. No. Why? Because my belief in justice same. was great. It's exactly the same. It's my belief in justice not exactly is not the same at all. It is exactly the same because what it boils down to is, and this is what I'll say, I, I, I understand a father's need to kill, right? I get that. But I also understand as a society, we cannot ever condone that because and i've and it's one of the things you can say for the same reason that i think the people that are the most afraid are terrible decision makers when it comes to solving problems i think victims are the least able to find justice for themselves because they are by nature the most wounded they only want revenge they do not want true justice they're not looking for justice and and ultimately what i find very interesting specifically coming someone from someone who i consider like in my vision part of the good far left that would be you peter Thank the you. good part of the far left is what i think is interesting is i would i, I think you and i would agree that our society on large is far too punitive and far less rehabilitative than it wants to be. Yeah. So are you saying Charles that Bronson what we was do, wrong, that we, Don? That we, that we, well, no, what we do is we punish and we punish and we punish. It's three strikes and you're out. That This is what we do. We well, feel like now, somehow. Right? That has been. No. Is that, that not, 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 not That's not still that's, a thing, is it? That's, that's done as a federal law, but it's not done as certain state laws. Certain state laws still have that. But what I'm saying is our country is a punitive country. And we all kind of agree that maybe it'd be better if we were rehabilitative. And one of the big arguments yeah. about incarceration of black men is that we are not um, rehabilitating these black men. What we're doing is we're locking them away and yeah. we're punishing them. And we shouldn't do that. Well, if that's the case, then allowing individuals to enact their own punishment upon their the people they find is is ultimately that is a rule for chaos that we cannot as a society condone that even if we kind of get it we can't condone it because if right. we condone it then it is totally appropriate for that fucking neo-nazi who doesn't like black men and has maybe three guys that attacked him that happened to be a black to kind of have his prejudice go and so he's got this thing if we condone guy from killing his son's rapist while he's in cuffs while he's being taken away and we say that's okay because I agree with that choice. Ultimately, what that means is that we've condoned all violence of anybody that feels victimized to kill or harm their accused without any kind of due process. And we cannot, if we want to be anything more than fucking wild, wild west with goddamn Buffalo Bill shooting people in the street, if we want to be better than that, that's the sacrifice we have to make. We have to give up, and going back to our original thing, we have to give up our emotional agency and say that that is the most important thing and say no these emotions i feel while are valid are counterproductive to what we're all trying to do together and that's what i'm saying i i think that you are so close to being perfectly right don i think <laughs> and in, in 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 the don hall world of things and here's where i'm going to challenge you just really quickly in this giving up your emotion Versus, and here's here's option B. So option A is giving up your emotion when you when you vote when you do whatever. That's option A. Option B is controlling the emotion and knowing when to use it and how to use it and how to 
shut up emotion. I'm going to the polls. I'm going into a, a legislative meeting. I need to be... Uh, I need you to stay home. I think this is, this is the... This is that moment in Avengers where Captain America says to Banner, all right, Bruce, it's time to get angry. And he says, that's the thing, Cap. Or I, I'm always angry. Right? Yeah. And he's control- he's, he has not gotten rid of the anger. And neither have I. He, and he lives with it. He lives yeah. with it. And you have to learn to control. Yeah. And I, I, by the way, and, and I said this to Katie the other night, I think that line is maybe the greatest line in all cinematic history because <laughs> I love that no, the, the great, it's fucking the beautiful greatest line in all, the, the, the greatest line in all cinematic history is for my whole life I always wanted to be a gangster that's the best line in cinematic oh, yeah. history good fellas that's yeah. all I'm saying that's all I'm saying um, this, no this, I agree with you and and the thing is and, and there is there is that thing that, that yeah I because well, I agree I am always angry that's who I am um it is all about control. I'm not always good at it. I'm not always going to succeed. Sometimes I do get angry and I do stupid shit because I'm angry or I do stupid shit because I'm scared or I do stupid shit because I'm overly emotional. But I recognize that most of the time I just did stupid shit because I was overly emotional. And that tries to... And, and so what I'm saying is it's not going to be an achievable goal, but that doesn't mean it's not a goal to try to achieve, which is... No, that's exactly true. what when Peter said, and going back to the very beginning, why am I not more enraged and scared? It's not that I don't feel the rage. It's not that I don't feel fear or anxiety. It's that I have chosen that I'm not under any circumstances going to let any anxiety I feel, any fear I might feel, or any rage that I feel control my behavior. Because ultimately, I cannot believe in a world where we just let ourselves be controlled by our emotions. Because if you look at every child Carrie's age, that is all they know. And as adults, we're supposed to learn more than that. Yeah, and it's um, like you've developed this good way of, of uh, you know dealing with that that anger and the and the anxiety that works for you, and you realize that because you're human, that you're going to mess up, and that like, dude, you are speaking my language. Like on like the anger, all of it, like all my stupidest stuff has been done angry, all of it, um, my whole life. Yeah, I my mean, whole n- fucking n- life. Ninety nine percent of the time, one hundred percent of the dumb shit we well, do on, is because emotion got was yeah. driving the bus. What I guess I'm talking about is like rational versus irrational anger. So when you talk about like, I got mugged by three black guys, so I'm going to find another one. That is irrational, completely irrational. irrational. But like, if we're talking about someone who like, this person raped and murdered my son, you're right. We shouldn't condone it, but we're we're not. We're just saying that we want to understand, uh, and this is really what this whole conversation is about, is just understanding the feelings that underlie that and seeing that those are valid, even if the action is not. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing is a read. Um, It is, what is it? It's In Search of Healing. Uh, This is a Washington Post story. Um, It's a a bit of a long read, uh, but it came out, I think, uh, October 26th. So In Search of Healing. America is facing one of the deepest divides in our history, and no matter who wins the election, a difficult path forward. And it's by Gene Weingarten, and it's it's um, it, it it picks apart basically what we've been talking about the last four years, and certainly on this on this particular episode. Uh, it's really well written. Uh, it, it it's really interesting, and it 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 provided me when I read it some 
calm, which is probably why I'm feeling uh, numb today because I was like, oh, I'm going to take my little pills and I feel better now. Like I just, it was perspective. It was, it was a good perspective. So that's okay, my first my thing. First, search of healing my first, on the Washington Post. Yeah. My first thing is, in terms of perspective, it's something that actually did make me feel better. Um, and it's where I got the idea of repealing the Judiciary Act of 1925 is the New York Times, they have a magazine piece called It's Opinion, How to Fix the Supreme Court. There are like nine different articles, um, and it's everything from term limits to pack the court to don't do anything. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of really smart food for thought about not panicking in the wake of Judge Amy and Brett. Amy and Brett? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> so I... I mean, Amy I and Brett. I thought about God. that, but the, fuck you, Amy and Brett. Amy and Brett. And queen that not, nobody really likes. No shit. Yeah. Fuck you guys. Totally. But it really did, it really did give me some perspective <laughs> on the Supreme Court, so I felt less panicked about it. So that's my first thing, is the opinion, how to fix the Supreme Court in the New York Times. Okay, can I... Um, okay, yes, Peter, please. All right, so my first thing, if we're doing articles, I think people should check out Biden Has Changed from The Atlantic. Um, I think mm-hmm. we have spent most of this election talking about, I mean, justifiably so, why we just need to get rid of Trump, when there are actually plenty of good reasons to vote for Biden that are c- criminally under-talked about. And what it kind of outlines is that in the wake of COVID, like, you know, he goes into his basement and quarantines and realizes this is exposing enormous systemic problems that I'm going to need an FDR-sized presidency to solve. And I think people <laughs> should be excited about that because he's, he's portrayed as this corporate shill. But 16 like, more with, years. 16 more years. <laughs> but he's, but no, he's I, like... He, I agree. But it, 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 he has yeah. $15 an hour, universal pre-K, uh, uh, paid family leave, you know, carbon neutral by 2035 is very ambitious. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of things that I now can't think about. But yeah. there's good reasons to vote for Biden, and that this article makes a good case for it. Is this... Uh, Biden has changed. Is this the, like, from his, his criminal... The, the three strikes whatever the fuck ah, the fuck is it it's sort of the perception it's, it's, that we've had of Biden like, versus yeah, his, he was kind of an asshole to Anita Hill he was like in the 90s he yeah. was kind of a dick basically well that in this this like Biden's whole history if you look at him is just a guy like he's not so much a leader as a guy goes ah oh, geez okay you're right you know yes, like right like yeah. that's that's yeah. Joe Biden and like uh, what this what this article points out is that this guy really believes what he believes. Uh, he's not a shill. Uh, he um, and he's he's moved left when it has been a presidential cliche for decades to move to the center after the primaries. And this yeah. was the guy. This was the guy on the right. Yeah. You know? So. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I think Joe Biden just never really had a po- a clear. Biden point of view. He just kind of, yeah, like you said, like ah, jeez. Yeah. Okay. I, well, like yeah. Trump I, makes I it actually, that way. Yeah. So I would actually disagree with that because I've studied Biden for longer than than just this presidential election. And I think most of his, ah, gee, okay, I guess you're right, is actually his way of giving in to a point so he wins another point because he is very tit for tat. He is really good at playing the political game. It's just that he does it in such a nice way that nobody gives him credit for actually working the system to to the favor of what he believes in so but i I still think i agree with you i I think that's a great piece i really like that piece well he rides the train after all uh my second i mean it's one of the things like even republicans like you got to look up that video of lindsey graham talking about joe biden and like like being in Uh, tears where he's mm -hmm. like he is a great guy if you don't like joe biden there's something like and 
the the thing about the train is one thing, but the people on the train who worked there loved him. Oh, I'm sure yeah. he's a like, fucking wonderful like, guy. But like also, everything Lindsey Graham says, fuck off, because he's got <laughs> well, yeah. everything he says. Nothing he says. Is, hold, right. Nothing holds water. David, um, what's your second my thing? My second thing is, I, I don't often promote CNN, but they do really good documentaries. And they're running some right now called First Ladies, uh, which is if you want to do the political thing, but kind of escape the current political thing, watch First Ladies on CNN. There's four episodes out right now. They do Michelle Obama, Jackie Kennedy, Eleanor Roosevelt, and Nancy Reagan. Um, yeah, it's good. It's it's uh, it's it's interesting. And the Nancy Reagan one is problematic for a lot of reasons, but they just they make her look too sure. good. But anyway, but yeah, it's um, and the dresses. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> first first ladies on CNN. It's a, it's a, it's a good political. Um, you get your political hit without losing your fucking mind all right my second thing is and the thing about it is podcasts at a certain point sound all like ours it's just white guys talking about shit and i and i kind of ah, love white guys i love white guys fucking talking about love shit. Them. however however it's hard to listen to a lot of podcasts i and and i know this seems like hey don 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 got a new york times uh subscription and i've had one but it's like <laughs> oh my god but I know, but it, it, you know, I just recommended an opinion piece in the New York Times. I'm going to recommend the Daily, which is the New York Times Daily podcast yeah. because they have been they have been doing some exemplary yep. podcasting about the elect. They they just did one about uh, the history of the 2000 election and how that all unfolded. Yeah. They're talking about people buying more and more guns and how that's going to affect voting. I mean, they're doing some amazing journalism on this tiny little 30 minute a day podcast i can't recommend it enough and it's daily the The daily Daily. okay i I second that they've been doing great stuff um my second thing i decided during the pandemic to go back and watch the sopranos nice now if you watch the sopranos it's it is not what i that show is not what i remembered it um i remembered it as just a like a gangster story when really, you watch it now and you're like, wow, uh, 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 Tony Soprano is America, and this whole thing is a bunch of morality plays about complicity and yeah. where this goes. And it's so smart, insightful. Like, if you watch it with that in mind, it's, it's very, very good. It's funny, too, because yeah. I, I had read a, a while ago that the, the creator, uh, David... Uh, David Chase. David Chase. That he created the show as a way to deal with his his mommy issues, and that's why, like in the first season, or at least the half of the first season, it's really like Tony and his mom, and that's this yeah. this whole thing. And him going to the therapist is, and he just like he said it with a a you know in the gangster world, in the mob world, to make it interesting. So it wasn't so it wasn't a fucking Woody Allen film, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, that's. I agree. Yeah, revisit that's good the Sopranos stuff. in today's in today's like that. Yeah, love that. I can I may it's, have to do it's, that. It, yeah, that, uh, that show is so worth rewatching. Like you'll you'll kind of pick up on a lot of things that I, I certainly didn't get when I watched it for the first time like ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, all right. So my third thing then is it's another read. Um, this is an, another long one. It's on Politico. Uh, people are going to be shocked. Return of the shy Trump voter. In 2016, pollsters Ari Captain and Robert Cahilly, I don't think I'm saying that right, 
they saw Trump coming. And in 2020, they see polls again underestimating his support. So this is, we talked about this a lot in the beginning of this episode about the polls and how they fix themselves and da-da-da-da-da. This addresses the pollsters and the... Yeah... Yeah. What's it I will not read it. What's it called? I will. I will not read it. Oh, good job, Don. Uh, thanks for playing. <laughs> it's. No, I've already a- read. I've already read it, and all it did was it was the the anxiety that I I do so much to kind of just like level out. It did not help. So uh, it was not. A, it did not help. So, so I was it, like, not, not. It was like, not oh, me. Don, this is going to make you uncomfortable. It did. It did yeah. make me a little uncomfortable, and I didn't like it for that reason. So I went. You know what? I'm going to pretend I didn't read that. Good and I boy. Knew David was going to die. And it's like, what a fucking. I don't want to know about up. that. What a I don't want to know. I'm a masochist. What's it called? Uh, it, yeah, it's 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 not political. <laughs> people are going to be shocked. Return of the shy Trump voter. So just type in people okay. are going to be shocked. Politico. Um, but it's even if uh, you like put the the anxiety aside. It's an interesting look at how polls are done, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, the the gazillion different ways that polls are done, and how some, like why some don't fucking work at all, and why some are like yeah. really good, both in approach and like here's how you can take this poll, here's a time allotted to you, and in why people say what they say for the different polls. It's 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 interesting. It's it's it, yeah. So which is why and I recommend third- it. So there you go. Yes. My third thing is because nothing uh, alleviates my anxiety of any anxiety I might feel about the the coming election more than watching a Netflix show about a, a drug addict who, um, when she takes Valium, can see chess moves in her head and is a chess prodigy in the 1950s. Uh, but I highly recommend Anya Taylor-Joy in uh, The Queen's Gambit. Um, it's she basically plays it's based on a book and it's basically about this young orphan um, whose mother is a genius level who lost her mind and tried to kill both her and her daughter and the daughter survived the car accident becomes an orphan meets uh, sort of a, a gruff janitor of the orphanage who's playing chess by himself she suddenly gets sapped into the chess wants to learn chess learns chess turns out she's grandmaster material and it's but she, the orphanage gives them Valium because this was before you couldn't do that. And so she's like addicted. So this is kind of the story. Um, it's super good. I'm not done with it, but I've really enjoyed it. It's, the production value is phenomenal. And it stars as the janitor, Bill Camp. And when I say Bill Camp, you have no idea who I'm talking about. But if you looked him up, you go, oh, my God, that's like J.T. Walsh. He's that guy that's so good in all these character roles, but I never know what his name is. Bill Camp is, I love this guy, and he's so good in this show. So I highly recommend Netflix, The Queen's Gambit. Right on. All right, my third thing I brought up at the beginning, and it's The Vow. Uh, the Vow is a... <laughs> The Vow is uh, it's eight or nine part documentary series on HBO about these people who joined this cult and about all the crazy shit that happened subsequent to that. But the most fascinating thing about it is that these people who got wrapped up in this cult are incredibly intelligent people. They're so like they re- they're not idiots at all. And the way like the fr- mm, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just they they the show does a good job of taking you through the process of understanding why one would be attracted to this and like why it like it builds itself on some supposedly self-evident truths and all the way up to sex cult right 
and like just the steps they took to their like these intelligent people and just the brainwashing and stuff and the people who leave and the way the people who don't want to leave react i think this also has uh political implications about the cult of trump and um yeah and it's also just fascinating from just a human psychological perspective all right the only reason i hadn't watched it yet is mark maron uh I, and it was it was on that's the thing is I don't have Twitter but I, I, I get like basically BuzzFeed is sort of like hey here's some of these yeah. cool Twitters yeah it's like a and there was a whole thread of Mark Marin just basically trying to watch The Vow and thinking it was terribly dull so I didn't <laughs> that was why I didn't watch it was because I went oh if Mark Marin thinks it's really dull I probably shouldn't watch it according to BuzzFeed but if Jesus uh, if Christ, Peter, if Peter if Peter Kermides, who I actually think is far smarter and funnier than Mark Marin, says I should watch it, I'm going to watch it. Well, that's a high compliment. Okay. Um, it does have a good slow burn to it. He's, he's not wrong about that. But it's just you got it. It goes into nutso town, and when it gets to nutso town, like oh my god, it's crazy. The big payoff. Yeah, I, I would and like that, to, I would like to add on oh. that that Peter Kermides is not only funnier than Mark Marin. Yeah, yeah. smarter than Mark Maron but he's also funnier and smarter than BuzzFeed and that's why I'm so grateful to you here tonight <laughs> Peter, thank you I, so much like, Peter all, all thanks for having me performative yeah, bullshit we'll aside dude it's really good to see you on this fucking Zoom yeah, stream no shit, yeah no shit it's good to hear your voice and I miss you and uh, I'm glad you guys got you to guys have this shit out you guys live in the same out. city yeah Dom uh, man I tell you like I've been it's so great to see your faces it's so good to talk to you guys I'm yeah. really rooting for both of you and like the um don't root for that. It's, been, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've had a conversation where someone said I was I was funny just because there's been no performing. There's been none of that. And I'll yeah. tell you, like, this is another silver lining about the pandemic is that like I haven't even thought of myself as like an actor or a comedian for months. No, it's been hard. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, no, like for me, that's like it's kind of it's it's been a it's little relief. refreshing. And this like, was yeah. for like I like not running around defining myself that way or you know what i mean like well, it's, it's, it's just, funny yeah. because it's like this, i just i have got to be more of a human it's funny because this episode wasn't a funny episode like we didn't bring you on like you didn't, you're not our guest to be like here's funny pe-. like this yeah, is serious yeah. <laughs> i mean there were maybe yeah. some laughable moments uh yeah i'm sure there was a dick joke in there so yeah the, the bulls fucking the cows and whatever else <laughs> but uh but yes you are you are funny <laughs> and, <laughs> well thank you you guys are too. I mean, go, I, go, go into the, go into the dark night with that. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to two white guys holding court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. Mm-hmm.